Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. I'm John Gordon, and I am here with co-hosts Mari and Craig. So uh, we've got a good one today, I think, and, we're, and it's a name that we don't have to explain to anybody. It's well-known. It's a person who's really well-known, <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about, like, moms. So did you learn anything from your mom? You know, I, my mom's voice is still in my head. She's been in heaven for about nine years now, but I hear her daily in my head. So, yes, I learned a lot from my mom, and I didn't, without even realizing it, but yes. Just for the record, she planned it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I learned from my mom. Yeah, I've got that, uh, that little church lady mother at 94, but oh, wow. um, mm. brings her Irish Catholic side to it. So there's always an Irish coffee in hand. There might be a, uh, a pearl of wisdom in our faith, and then something that may not be quite as appropriate tied into it, but always very faithful to the church. So I appreciate my mother. That's cool. That's cool. I learned to speak with authority from my mom. She she might not have everything precisely correct, but she was close but you enough. you thought she did? <laughs> and she was close enough, and she spoke with authority. I get and, it. And that works. And I've, I've, I've leveraged that in my career a time or two, and it, it actually worked. Okay. I didn't but, say what I learned. I should say. I just said she's in my head. She had an incredible intellectual curiosity. She uh-huh. always wanted to That's learn. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think I got a lot of that curiosity from her. Well, speaking of curiosity, our, our listeners and I'm like, okay, we're kind of curious. Who is this <laughs> awesome person that's going to be with us? And so I would like to introduce you, uh, Teresa Tamio. And this is a name that we know, love, and thanks for being with us in the family room, Teresa. Well, thanks for carrying Catholic Connection. And I was, I was Mari and I were talking before uh, the show that I was just there in your area. Mari, it was almost a year ago, right? It was. If yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 yeah you were mm-hmm. down in Peachtree City, gave a great retreat for the ladies down there. Yes. Yeah, so we're so excited because some of what we're going to share today will be some of what you shared with them. And you also have some great other ways to get uh, involved with you. Mm. So um, as we always do in the family room, though, we're going to open with prayer. And then you guys get to hear a little bit more background about Teresa right after our prayer. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you as our Abba Father. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all of the many blessings that you've given us, especially the blessings of our mother. Um, of the Blessed Virgin Mary, our eternal heavenly mother, but also the mothers that we each got to have here on earth as well. Um, So just bless mothers today, Lord, um, and help us to remember those things that we've learned from our mothers. And for those of us blessed enough to be mothers, help us to um, give our children the hope that comes from um, loving you and believing in you and always following your will. Um, in all the ways that you call us. And so, Lord, um, be with us today as we as we talk to Teresa and, and relive some of the beautiful memories she has with, with her mother. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. John had said we do have Teresa Tamio in the studio, and she is doesn't really need an introduction, but just in case you may not know her full history, Teresa is an author, syndicated Catholic talk show host, motivational speaker with more than 30 years of experience in TV, radio, newspaper, 20 years of which were as a secular reporter and an anchor in Detroit. In In 2000, actually, Teresa left the secular media to start her own speaking and communications company, Teresa Tamio Communications, LLC. And as we said, you hear her on The Quest on Catholic Connection, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., 
where obviously, you know, she brings us the news. She brings us a lot of good guests, and she's very informative on what's going on in the faith. Teresa also appears frequently on EWTN Global Catholic Television Network, co-host EWTN Television Series, The Catholic View of Women. She's also a correspondent for EWTN News In-Depth. And as she has said on numerous occasions, she is a deacon's wife. She also writes Italy Travel Consultation, writes a Italy Travel Consultation Company, Tease Italy, TravelItalyExpert.com. She's written more than 10 books, an international speaker, where she addresses media awareness and activism, as well as sharing her reversion to the Catholic faith. She does reside in southeastern Michigan with her husband, Deacon Dom, and does retreats there. It's a lot of introduction, Teresa, but uh, you <laughs> are... You're, very, <laughs> you're just very accomplished, and we appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having us. I just love all of our radio affiliates around the country, and one of my favorite things to do is I wish we were there in person because Mari and I had a blast last year at, at the retreat, but mm-hmm. I love it when we get together at various events. It's really, really a lot of fun, So, and I just so appreciate uh, being uh, you know uh, on the air since dirt, basically. This year, I actually <laughs> have to update my resume. I've been on the air for 42 years, if my you can goodness. believe it, not including college internships and high school experience because I started in radio technically when I was 14 years old on the high school radio station. So oh, I don't wow. even want to do the math in that. <laughs> wow. But it's just in my blood and I just love meeting other people who have a love for communicating, especially God's message to the radio airwaves. And a gift that's for it. And a gift for it. So gift. thank you for yes. that. So that's a long trek. I'm not going to talk in terms of time. I'm going to talk in terms of miles covered. Um, but one of the things we that our listeners really enjoy is when we have a guest and they share a little bit of their faith walk. So from from where you were, you, you kind of gave us you know a little, the, the tweak about a reversion. Take us just on, on a Reader's Digest walk through your faith walk, please. Yeah, it's, it's so incredible. And my husband and I do a talk and we just gave a, another retreat for diaconate couples. We also do retreats for diaconate couples who are in the diocese of, um, so we're in San Antonio, but doing a diocese for doing a retreat for the diocese of Austin. We had about 60 couples there and we do a talk called Remember to Remember, mm-hmm. which is based on Stephen Curtis Chapman's song. He's one of my favorite Christian music artists where he talks about looking back at your life's journey, the ups and the downs, and to never forget that God was there not only in the good times, those mountaintop experiences, but he was with us at the bottom of the mountain and in the valley. And he's such a good writer, and he's a writer's writer, I think, in terms of of lyrics, and and I love good writing as a writer myself. And so that whole idea of reflecting and remembering is something super important, and it gives you, I think, a great deal of gratitude. And so Mm -hmm. Deacon Dom and I were also giving a a talk at our own parish at at the end of the month. Um, Deacon Dom and I really like to think about, okay, how do we get here? Okay, we know we, for example, he's a deacon now, I'm a talk show host, and I'm doing all these things. He's got a great ministry as well. But how the heck did we get here? And it was, it was, as you said, a long journey and a rough one. We were both raised Catholic, and I'm going to give you, again, the Reader's Digest version. Both raised Catholic, good Italian-American Catholic homes, had a lot in common in terms of our upbringing and our, our heritage background. But by the time we both got to college, we had left Jesus in the church in the rearview mirror. And it wasn't that we said, oh, I'm disgusted with the church and I don't like the teachings. It's that even back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and then 80s, when we were you know, growing up, going to school, and then getting married, uh, there weren't, we didn't have all these cable stations barely just getting into the Internet back then, and we were still so impacted by the culture. And mm-hmm. even though we were married in the Catholic Church and you know, said our vows before God, 
we began very quickly because of our success, mine in the secular media. I graduated from college in 1981 with my journalism degree and started right in the Motor City in Detroit, which, as you know, is a major market and mm -hmm. pretty difficult to be able to get a job there. But because I had all these internships and a lot of experience, I was able to start right out in my own hometown at a smaller radio station. And my husband was working as an engineer at a top firm, and we were both were very successful very early on. And so we had a lot of success, we're earning a lot of money, and pretty soon before we knew it, we became what marriage, uh, the marriage ministries call, Marriage Institute and Marriage Encounter call married singles, where we were married in the eyes of God legally and by the church, but we were living a single life. <laughs> And so we, we grew apart. I'm really summarizing it. There's a lot more detail in the Rosie book and my other books. But came to a point where we separated actually twice before we mm -hmm. came back together. And God came miraculously back into our life through a Detroit Pistons basketball game. <laughs> well, I'm there's not a first. You. This is so funny how God works. So we get invited to this game by my boss, uh, my female boss at the time. I was working at this point. I had moved from radio to TV. I started in radio and then switched very quickly to TV in, in Detroit. And she called us on a Sunday morning, and we happened to be home because we weren't going to Mass anymore, mm. how God works. He even uses our no as well as our yes, right? <laughs> So we answer the phone, and she says, hey, I've got front row seats to the Pistons at the Palace of Auburn Hills. So I could care less about sports, and my husband loves basketball, and that was the year when it was the bad boys of the Pistons, you know, all those, those great players. And she said, would you like to come? And, of course, the only thing I was thinking about is that I was going to be in the front row seats of the Palace of the Auburn Hills, and everyone would notice me. And as much as Deacon Dom loved sports, he didn't want to go because he didn't want to be around any more of those crazy media people. But he said yes because it was my boss. And my boss's husband at the time was very involved in a Bible study called Bible Study Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And he must have sensed that something was unsettled in Dom. And he invited him to that Bible study. And just out of, I think, responsibility and out of respect for him being my boss's husband, he said yes to that Bible study. And to make a long, long story very short, that Bible study was a trajectory that got us back together as a couple, got me involved in Bible study, and then again, slowly and surely struggling on that journey. It took years to heal our marriage and then to get back to the church. So it's, it's just crazy. And I look back and I'm like, how the heck did that happen? It was only by the grace of God. Mm. Only mm. by the grace of God. So that's a very short version because there's so many miraculous things that happened. But by the book, everything's coming up rosy and you'll learn more. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think we're going to find out. So that's yes, great. Exactly. That's great. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so that is the book we're going to be talking about today. Everything's coming up rosy. Ten things my feisty Italian-American mom taught me about living a godly life. So that's great. Um, I've actually heard you speak about this and, you know, you got, gave us kind of a, th a thought as you described what was going on with both you, you and Deacon Dom. You guys were very successful in your careers. You were living the life that everybody would love to be able to live. You were um, almost celebrities there in your, your mm -hmm. town making great money. And yet um, when God called you, you had to surrender all of that. You had to let go and lay all that down. Um, so talk a little bit about that, because I think that concept of surrender that you bring out is such a vital one for us uh, to think about. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's an important point because we surrender not just once. We yeah. surrender every day. St. Yeah. Teresa of Avila has a beautiful prayer. It's called Into the Hands of God. And she says, I am yours. I was made for you. What do you want me to do? And that's something that I try to say every single day mm -hmm. when I get up before I do the radio program. I offer it over to the Lord. I always say Andrew is my producer, but God is my executive producer. It's his <laughs> show. It's not mine. He takes it where he wants it to go mm -hmm. as long as I'm open to it. But 
the surrender was not something I wish I could say that when I was having this reversion, which is a very long, detailed story, that, you know, the clouds parted, the sun came out, everything was marvelous, and I just jumped into Catholic radio all of a sudden. <laughs> no, it took me a good three years. And this is after I came back to the church, after our marriage was healed. A lot of great things have happened to us as a husband and wife and getting back in, into our parish and getting very involved and having wonderful experiences and growing leaps and bounds in our faith. But I still had one foot in the secular world and one foot in the Catholic world. I couldn't quite figure out where I fit in, and I was afraid. You know, they say the devil that you know is, is better than the devil you don't know. I couldn't imagine doing any anything else but news. I, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be a newscaster since the time I... I was a kid. I mean, my mother says I came out of the womb talking, and I, I always <laughs> wanted to, to be in broadcasting and communications. The only other thing, and Mari, you heard me say this last year, that I really wanted to do, and I kind of get out my frustrations by dancing around the house and, and trying to go to as many uh, disco events where I can dance with my friends. And my husband is a good sport, but he doesn't like to dance. <laughs> I, I love to dance. And my second career choice was actually to be a, a professional dancer, something along the lines of the Radio City Music Hall Rockettes, which I would often go back and see when my parents went back to New Jersey and New York to visit their relatives. I just love professional dance. I love to watch ballroom dancing. I took a few dance classes in college, but my favorite dance type is disco dance, which I'm actually very good at. I have a lot of rhythm, natural rhythm. I think it's from my, my Mediterranean background, which helps me in terms of back-timing a radio show, you know, and, and speaking in, in time with the bumper music that comes up. So God uses it all somehow. But, yeah, that's the only other thing I really seriously thought about doing besides broadcasting which was my first love and so I had no idea that people actually spoke I thought that was regulated to former you know beauty pageant contestants and winners or former senators and presidents I didn't realize there was a whole not only business out there of people who were professional speakers but ministry mm -hmm. in the Christian the Protestant and Catholic world so I had no idea but when I started my journey back, and when I uh, got back on, I was fired from a very prominent position, which really was the start of God knocking me off my high horse. And when I got back in the secular media for a few years, before my second surrender, it, I was asked to give my journey up to that point. And someone told me, you know, you should really consider speaking, doing more speaking. Mm. And it took me three years, as I said earlier, to say, okay, I can't let this go. I don't know what else I'm going to do. But what was happening at the same time when I was having my reversion and growing in my relationship with God is the media were changing, and I was changing. Uh -huh. I, I didn't fit in anymore. I was like, a, you know, try, was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole because my priorities were different, my opinions were changing, my beliefs were changing or being strengthening and you know, going back to the faith. And I could see the media crumbling before my very eyes. And so I finally just walked away in 2000. I, my last job in the secular media was a news director at a very large FM station in Detroit where I was still making very good money. And, you know, I, I want to be honest, the money was very good. And I walked away from a six-figure-plus income, and then I had no job. I mean, I literally asked the station to buy out my contract because I realized I, I had to let it all go. God was asking me, okay, do you love me? Mm -hmm. You know, do you love me? Who do you say that I am? And do you love me? Are you willing to let that go so I can show you what I have in store? And that was not easy for mm -hmm. a type A personality that me. It took me like three years to do it. So it was a real journey, but I look back now, again, this whole idea with reflecting and remembering, and you look at where the media are, which is so pathetic and so heartbreaking for me, and how bad they are, not just how biased they are, but how, and this is not every single reporter, but I would say most of the major media outlets in the secular world 
are just really being spoon-fed stories, especially from the left. And it's so obvious. This is very obvious for someone like me who's been trained. Mm. And again, has been doing news and media since dirt. But I realized <laughs> that God was taking me out of it because he could see everything. And he knew what was going to be happening with the media and how it would have eaten me up alive. And I would have been remained miserable in that position. Mm. So it was almost like a hedge of protection for you that he yes, had. I believe so. I really yeah. do. That's a great point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. So when you look at that, would you tell us really the differences you've seen in uh, secular media and what you're experiencing today? Because it has changed, right? I mean, you see it every single day and we're being propagandized and everything else. You know, what are the major differences between secular media and the Catholic media? Well, it's so it's so important, that question, because I never thought in a million years that in order for me to pursue the truth, which is how I was trained, and I was trained as an investigative journalist, and I have a journalism degree with a minor in broadcasting and another specialty in political science. I never thought that we would get to the point where we are with the media or that I would be saying these things, that they're, they're not doing their job of putting the information out there, researching, investigating, letting people decide. They're completely ignoring that. They're completely ignoring the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And so it's changed on a number of fronts. It's changed in the sense that now they're actually teaching in journalism school, which is not my experience. I had excellent professors at Central Michigan University. Of course, you know, this was back in the late 70s and early 80s, so it was a whole different ballgame back then. But it was starting to change even when I was in it, and I left in the year 2000, as you mentioned. But I could see the changes, which is, again, one of the reasons why I left. But the biggest change, I think, is this total lack of responsibility and the Mm -hmm. sin of omission because they are following agendas that they believe in as opposed to putting information out there and letting the people decide. And it really has a lot to do with the issues that are so important to us as faithful Catholics. This leftist agenda of abortion, now this this transgender ideology that's being pushed down our throats, not giving us the whole story and making people think a certain way that they're right and we're wrong. And not only are we wrong, but we're extremists and the way they're labeling people. Mm. And the way they just, they just eliminate stories, they still do not cover the March for Life. And I cover that every year for EW10 as their live correspondent on the streets. And this past year, Jeannie Mancini for the March for Life told me that she thinks that that was the largest ever. Yeah. So I'm guesstimating because they don't give official numbers, but well over 100 to 200,000 people there and very peaceful. But of course, it was all about pro-life, so they didn't cover it. I mean, that is a sin of omission. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they have to give it 24-7 coverage as we do at EW10, but for crying out loud, it's still one of the most hotly contested issues. And you're not going to go to Washington, where you have prominent politicians and speakers and people from all over the world to get their opinion and at least do a complete report and a live shot on the 5, 6, and 11 o'clock evening news. Come on. Yeah. And yet they'll cover other national marches that fit yeah. into their agenda, which have one one-hundredth of the amount of people there. Mm. So I think what we're seeing, and I was seeing this, this gradual move more and more to the left, more and more about advocacy versus journalism. And it used to be where you would look at it, and the average person, even who didn't have a media background, could say, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right. Now it's just, you'd have to be living, you know, under a, a, a shoe somewhere or a rock, not to figure out that they're, you know, leaning in, in, in particularly one direction. And, and the surveys show this. I've done immense research on this. I put it in a lot of my books. So I think the biggest changes are this move to advocacy journalism versus real journalism. I wouldn't even call it journalism. I call it advocacy. Mm-hmm. So they're out there as advocates and PR agents for, for certain groups and agenda. Mm-hmm. And then also the big agenda of money has gotten even bigger. Money has always been an agenda, and a lot of people don't realize 
especially we saw this during COVID. The media loved COVID because it kept people glued to their TV. First of uh-huh. all, during the lockdowns, people were so scared. Yeah. Yeah. And so they kept tuning into the news and they would get more frightened and they would buy, keep watching and watching and watching. The media, the secular media, did not want the COVID lockdowns to end or COVID to end mm-hmm. because it was great ratings because people were so consumed with what was happening. And now all these different stories are coming out about the lies we were told. Mm-hmm. Not that COVID wasn't dangerous and not that people didn't die, not that it wasn't serious. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. But to the extent of the way they locked down children and kept them locked down Mm -hmm. when so many people were challenging and parents were coming and saying enough is enough. So, again, advocacy and then money, because if you can keep people glued to the TV, your ratings go up and then Mm -hmm. you can charge more for your advertisers. So I'd say money and advocacy are the two big changes. That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Teresa. We love Catholic Connection. It airs here. Um, Love how you dive into current events. And and maybe we just go a little bit farther from what you just talked about. What are you seeing right now or what are you covering that you would like to share more in depth with our listeners in this venue? Well, I think what we're seeing now is this big push for this transgender ideology. I don't know if you've noticed that recently I've been airing clips from this incredible committee hearing that took place recently in Washington with the House Judiciary Committee where they brought forth people on both sides of the issue, but it barely got any coverage, period. So you had Chloe Cole, who is now detransitioning. She went through the surgery. Of course, she could never become a man, but she went through that because her parents were told you're either going to have a dead daughter or a transgendered son. So this is all part of the fear factor that buys in. You had experts in the Family Research Council. You had young women in college who were told that they were the crazy ones because they didn't react properly to the men who are identifying in women and dressing in their dressing rooms and undressing in their mm-hmm. dressing rooms when they're trying to just you know take part in women's sports at colleges. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible amount of evidence and testimony and proof coming from experts that are saying this is not working, we are doing great harm. And it is the same thing we see with abortion. And I did a search when this hearing took place I wanted to see how much coverage was out there on the secular media, so I Googled it. Mostly you'd get you know, National, uh, National Review, you'd get Catholic News Agency, the National Catholic Register, the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, you know, the secular outlets that tend to be a little bit more balanced and maybe in some ways even more conservative, but at least they were covering it, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to the secular press, there was zitch, zilch, practically nada, at least from national outlets, and when they did cover it, they were positioning the people like Chloe Cole, who says she's going to be a lifelong patient now. She'll never mm-hmm. be 100% okay medically, which is, which is another thing. You talk about money being agenda. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big reasons so many of these doctors are into this, because when you do this mm-hmm. and you become a lifelong patient, we could talk about that maybe later on. But to get people to realize what they're seeing and hearing and reading compared to what they're not shown The sin of omission is extremely bad. They did it with abortion when they still silence the women and men and families who are impacted by abortion. They don't want to cover that. And they basically are making the Chloe Coles out to be, oh, they're just, you know, caricatures from the extreme right. And they're just their little pawns that are out there, you know, promoting and and going against gender affirming care. The whole thing that's happening with abortion, with the language and the semantics and the fear is the same thing that's happening with the media, with this transgender ideology. So I'm really trying to get people that information because the two, they're all tied together with all the different pro-life causes. Yeah, yeah. And we really appreciate that. We appreciate that when we do listen to Catholic Connection, we can hear what's going on, what's really going on, and hear, like you said, we hear the the, the news that we're not going to hear other places. I can often tell 
where people listen to their news by what they're what they say about any mm-hmm. issue. If you listen, even just the adjectives and adverbs they use as they're describing something, it's it's yeah. so very clear. Yeah, that's yeah. I've, I've had the same thought. There is a certain speculative like spectacular i don't know what the right adjective yeah. is like it's there's it's Sens- just almost a sensational. sensationalism mm. thank yeah. you that, that's, yeah. that is pleasantly absent from the reporting that we get there so thank you for that yeah well we we use it it's interesting because it's a real challenge for me and i insisted when we started catholic connection we're going on 21 years i can remember sitting in the eba club which stands for everything but anchovies at domino's farms in ann arbor <laughs> michigan where Ave maria is located i was sitting with my station manager mike jones and he said, what do you want to call the show? And I said, well, I like alliteration. My name Teresa Tamios. So let's call it Catholic Connection. He said, okay, well, don't you think we should have news? And I said, hello, I think I can <laughs> handle the news. And he laughed. He goes, oh, yeah, I think you can do that, too. So we, we came up with trying to find a news service that we could use that didn't cost us a gazillion dollars because we're Catholic radio. And usually, guys know, we don't have a ton of money, right? <laughs> and so we came across this, this um, uh, wire service. That is a division of NBC News. Now, what we use it for, and, and Anna Mitchell and Matt Swain on the Sunrise Morning Show use the yeah. same news service, and, and Annie and I go back and forth like daily on, on the problems of the way the stories are written. Mm. So it takes a lot of time for us when we use this source because of the way they write the stories. Yeah. Just yesterday, there was a story about the Indiana uh, abortion law where it's going to be banning abortion, abortions after a certain amount of time is being upheld and how it's going into effect. And I rewrote the lead because the original lead from that wire service said, oh, women are going to be denied more opportunities to have abortions, as if that's a bad thing, right? Mm. And so I wrote the lead in a great pro-life news out of the Midwest in the state of Indiana. I ran the same story, but I gave it a different lead in because we know that this is good news for people. And we're a Catholic station, so we always have to come at this from a Catholic perspective, which is truth. You know, Catholic Church is the fullness of truth. But it's a challenge every day. Annie sent me a story last week, and Anna Mitchell from the Sunrise Morning Show, she was actually on my Fact Check Friday recently, and she showed me a story, the same wire service, where they were talking about a case where the young woman took the abortion pill, gave birth in, in late-term abortion, mm-hmm. and then buried and then burned the remains of her baby with her mother. And there's a law in that state, I believe it's the state of Nebraska, that says that a woman cannot be criminalized. But because they, you know, basically disposed and mistreated the body, they were facing those charges along the lines of of killing the child and and burying it, uh, getting rid of it basically wrongly, according to state law. Well, the way the story was written made it sound like she was the victim, the baby wasn't the victim. Mm. And it was all about how she's being persecuted for having an abortion when that wasn't it at all. So they totally twisted the story. Get it away from the humanity of the child. Definitely. And it's really important for me, I believe, in addition to doing the news, I have to break those stories down for people because we get so conditioned, Mm -hmm. we get so groomed, we get so used to the semantics. And unless we understand how the media work, they're going to work on us. And that is perfectly said. Listeners, you are here with us in the family room with Teresa Tamio. And please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. You're pregnant? What are you going to do? This response puts abortion on the table. Although what are you going to do is a common response, this is not what you say when your friend tells you about her unplanned pregnancy. Women are created to nurture life. 
No woman truly wants to kill her own child. Unplanned pregnancies can be scary. 74% of women who've had abortions say that if one person would have offered support to help them, they would have chosen life. This approach, congratulations, you'll be a great mother and I'll help you, can be just what she needed to hear. God sent you to help her. Call 1-800-712-HELP to find the closest free pregnancy center. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Father Kevin Peek, a priest of the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and this is my favorite prayer, the breastplate of St. Patrick. Let us pray. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Amen. Hi, this is Teresa Tamio, host of Catholic Connection, heard every morning right here on this station. And we are so grateful for your listenership. And now's the time that we come to you to ask also, in addition to your listenership, your financial support. Of course, we always ask you to pray for us, most importantly, but we do need your financial partnership. Now, most of these stations have very small staffs, of course, because we're not rolling in the dough, obviously, because we are in this. This is a mission field effort. But the bottom line is... This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge, but this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like this one, Catholic Connection, available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now, and we'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. We're speaking with Teresa Tamio. Uh, we're going to be talking in this next half about her book, Everything's Coming Up Rosy, 10 Things My Feisty Italian-American Mom Taught Me About Living a Godly Life. But before we do that, Teresa, family room memories are they're a big topic of discussion around here. We like to uh, reminisce about our families, and we'd love to hear one or even two from you. There's a lot of those memories. I actually do a lot of walking down memory lane in the book, and I know we're <laughs> going to talk about that. As you mentioned, everything's coming up rosy, but I think... Uh, for me, more recently, as my mom was um, in her last few years, she's dead now three years. She died on the Feast of St. Joseph mm-hmm. in 2020, not from COVID. She had been ter- deteriorating from uh, congestive heart failure and severe arthritis complications. But she loved my husband, Dominic. I mean, it was St. Dominic. And it just <laughs> I think it was God's way of keeping me humble because my husband and I, bless his heart, he just was so good to my mom and he kept me sane during the whole process. Anybody who's taking care of an elder person knows how difficult it can be and challenging. Even if you love them, they're, you're, you're going to bump heads, you're going to disagree, and it's hard for people to make that transition, especially if they have to move from their home that they've lived in into assisted living. So my mom moved into this beautiful assisted living facility, which she really liked. She spent the last two and a half years of her life there. 
And after I got off the show, I would race there practically every day, especially when she was first in, in the assisted facility because you don't just dump them off there, right? You have to make sure yeah. that everything yeah. is being uh, taken care of, their meds, that everything's going properly and they're getting fed and everything else. And I would race over there and I'd be exhausted. It was about a 20-minute drive, 25-minute drive with traffic. And so I would walk in, and she'd be sitting in the room, right, sitting up, usually watching one of her shows, getting ready for me to wheel her down to lunch. And she'd look at me, and she'd look around me, and she'd say in her Jersey accent, where's your husband? I'm like, hello, I'm your flesh and blood. I just raced over here. I just got off the air. What, my husband's at work. Uh, he's your son-in-law. I'm your daughter. Remember the one you gave birth to you know, in, in, in September of 1959? So I think it was just interesting because I think God really used that as a humbling reminder to me that, hey, sister, don't get too big for your britches. You know, you're still your, your mother's uh, youngest daughter. That and I think another special memory would be the first time that Deacon Dom and I went to Italy, and because obviously Dominic, uh, he's 100% Italian as well, and we saw such a connection between the country and the people and our heritage and our grandparents. The habits that they had that we grew up with uh-huh. and watching made so much sense the first time we went to Italy. You know, the way they drank the wine, the way they always were outside on the East Coast, Dominic's from Northeastern Pennsylvania, they would sit on what they would call the stoop or the porch, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that was, everybody's outside in Italy. Everybody's walking around, sitting outside, the way they drink their wine, even the way they drink their coffee, where a lot of Italians, what they do if the coffee's too hot, especially the men, they'll pour the coffee into the saucer and drink it from the saucer. And I'm like, ah! And we felt more at home there than we did in the United States. And that was the beginning of another love affair for for me and my husband, you know, Bella Italia, our motherland, as we call it. So those are two favorite memories of mine. Those are great. Those are great. So we do want, we would love to dive into the book. Um, And uh, you've written, as you said, you've written um, over 10, you've written 10, over 10 books. And the one we're going to be talking about, Everything's Coming Up Rosie. And for our listeners, we do need to make sure that we uh, emphasize, and we'll have this on our show notes as well. You have something really special coming up with this book. You and um, Kelly Walquist did some special recordings and all. Um, So Wine, the Women in the New Evangelization, is going to have a special book study starting on September 5th, running September 5th to October 10th. You want to tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Sure, and I know you're going to have the link up, and they can go to catholicvineyard.com and just scroll down, and it's the wine, read between the wines, instead of read between the lines, read between the vines, a book study, and it's an online book study, and as you said, it starts September 5th, and so we're going to have some live sessions and some recorded sessions, and Kelly came to visit me in Italy in June, and we taped some beautiful videos for example, in the City of Flowers in Spello, where they do this amazing display connected to the Feast of Corpus Christi. Mm. Deacon Domini actually cooked the frittata. He makes a famous cocktail. We're all tying it in with faith and fun and family, and everything's coming up rosy. But the beautiful thing is Kelly put together this gorgeous package where you have the book, the rosy book, and you also get a journal. So you can follow mm. along every week, and there's reflection questions, and there's even a prayer card. You can do this at home. You could do it with your ladies' group. You could have uh, a nice little wine and cheese party for, for every week that we meet, in moderation, of course, right? <laughs> uh, or just maybe just do it at your parish, whatever you'd like to do. It's a lot of fun. And I think the book will make you smile. It will make you laugh. Everybody can identify with this because whether you're Italian, whether you're Irish, whether you're Polish, 
whatever your heritage, whether you're African-American, it doesn't matter where you're from, Hispanic, everybody has a mom in their life that was very strong and tried to carry traditions and, and get you to learn something, as you were saying earlier, Mari. So yeah. I've, I've gotten a great response in this book, and I'm really looking forward to help the ladies dive in with this study. That is wonderful. And I've, we've already said uh, we know that at least um, Craig's wife and I are probably going to join. Barb may be joined. John's wife might be joining as well. Dave's wife might be joining as well. So maybe we'll have our own uh, Quest Local. radio. Uh, that would be so fun. And, you know, if you do that, let me know if you get together. Maybe I can call in and do a, a that'd live. That would be awesome. Tour. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be, awesome. be great. Yeah, they would, uh, yeah everybody, we would love that. that are, would there be so are guys allowed to participate and listen in, or is this kind of we like can serve, We can serve the wine yeah. and cheese. Oh, okay, we'll be the, che- yeah, we'll be we the can, servers. Okay. Be, you guys will be the servants. You'll bring the wine and the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and, and apparently I heard you'll, you'll go make the frittata like Dom, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You said Fritos, bring Fritos? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want to hear if you're cutting your pasta. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. Oh, my gosh. You won't, I promise. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember the first. Okay, I have to divert for a second. I remember the first time. So my parents met and, met, met and married in Italy. Italy's very close to my heart as well. And I remember being at somebody's house, and they broke the pasta. Oh, my gosh. I had a heart no. attack. It was no. crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, my German, yes. oh. my German ancestors broke it precisely the same way each time. <laughs> no, it has At to be. It was even, though, when they broke it. Right? That's right. That's right. No, it was precise. <laughs> it was like laser straight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So. You started down the book, like yeah. the 10 favorite lessons. Yes. What were you, you, you were asking a question. Yeah, right? so actually you have, so you have, there are 10 things you learned from Rosie, but we know we probably don't have time to go to all 10 of them. So what are some of the favorite lessons that you want to share with us that you learned from Rosie? Well, I think uh, the most important one is the first one. And I, as you know, in the book, I write out phonetically my mother's accent because she really was, as my <laughs> friends say, a round trip. And as I say in the book, she was a you know travel agent for guilt trips until you know the day she died. So she had, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah, well, it was a PhD. PhD in guilt, and I have a master's because we're both, you know, 100% Italian and Catholic. But she always said to us growing up, offer it up to God and put it at the foot of the cross. I heard that over and over and over and over again. I'd roll my eyes. I wouldn't listen to it. But as I was coming back to the faith and, and really kind of diving into church teaching, I realized that what she was talking about was, number one, surrender. And number two, redemptive suffering. Yes. And, and these are huge teachings in the church and yeah. in all of Christendom, but especially I think in the Catholic Church is such a beautiful theology on the theology of suffering, that we can use our suffering to grow from, to learn from, and to help others by offering that up in prayer. So it's super important, and that's why I started the book with it, because it's not just, as I said earlier, and I was sharing my testimony, it's not just surrendering once. It's offering it up every single day. And when you put it at the foot of the cross and say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Uh, if you can take this cup from me, great. If not, what am I going to learn from it and how can I use it? So that's super important. And then the following chapters, which are very important, obviously, for this time of year because celebrating so many beautiful Marian feast days, yeah. have to do with the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother, M-O-T-H-A, <laughs> is watching you. And I heard that all the time when I was going out on dates. And the chapter after that is listen to your mother, right? And so we talk in that third chapter about listening to your mom, as in your Blessed Mother and your earthly mom, but also Holy Mother Church. And what happens in those two chapters, you know, the Blessed Mother is watching. And remember that she is watching over us, and, and she is our mama, you know, the Theotokos Mary, uh, you know, the God-bearer and, and the mother of, of Jesus, the mother of God. She's watching over us. We are her children, but our moms 
are watching over us too. And of course, Mari, our moms are watching us from heaven. I'm sure watching us very, very closely, even probably right now, critiquing what we're saying and how we're <laughs> handling this interview, right? But I think that's a real, those are the uh, three really, I think, important things. And then the last chapter is keep smiling mm. in the book. Mm. And why did I begin with offer it up? Because you always have to go to the cross first. First and foremost, it's about that relationship with God. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. But you can never let all of the things in life steal your joy. And my mother signed every Christmas card, every birthday card, every anniversary card with the words, keep smiling. Mm-hmm. Because she always smiled. She had a beautiful smile. And people even remembered her for her smile. And she never let anybody, despite the suffering she went through as a child and also some of the situations that happened when she got older, she never lost her joy and had a great sense of humor. So I think those are probably, I think it's a nice summary to give people a little bit of a snapshot of the book. Yeah, yeah. I think that generation kind of brought credibility to the whole idea. Um, I have zero Italian ancestry in me. As, as is demonstrated by our desire to break the pasta. <laughs> but offering it up to God or offer it up for the poor souls in purgatory, that carried, as, as I learned more about what my grandmother and mother went through in their child, through the Depression and right. so on, if they could say, offer it up or keep smiling, then there was, okay, this isn't, this isn't just a saying, this is a life lesson, mm-hmm. right? And, right? And absent that understanding of like redemptive suffering, it's really hard to explain a lot of pretty fundamental Catholic beliefs, right? Why we do what we do. I think it goes back to one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good, you know, for those who are called according to the Lord and called called according to the Lord and His purpose. I just interviewed Jim Wahlberg, who's a brother of Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. who actually came back to the faith. And you talk about a rough road. I mean, this guy was in jail for all kinds of things mm-hmm. and was a drug addict. And he's speaking at the upcoming Good News Conference uh, in November. And he says, I can't believe that this, you know, former druggie who was in prison is actually going to be speaking with the likes of a Bishop Barron or an Immaculate Illibagiza or mm. Peter Craig. He said, only Jesus can do this and take this mess. But he said God allowed that to happen because had he not ended up in jail, he never would have met Mother Teresa who came to the prison where he was and reintroduced him to Jesus and the Eucharist and the Church. So that suffering, if we can step back... And which is also why it's so important for us to reflect and remember and connect the dots. Mm-hmm. We can see that God is always working in our lives, yeah. Yeah. especially when it comes to suffering where we think we're alone. There's that old poem that came out many years ago, Footprints, and that beautiful image yeah. of yeah. singular footprints on the beach. And the man says to Jesus, why, when I was going through all these hard times, there's only one set of footprints? Mm-hmm. No, my child, it was then that I was carrying you. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yep. beautiful. Well, family, uh, you're in the family room with Teresa Tamio talking about her new book, Everything Coming Up Rosy, 10 Things My Feisty Italian-American Mom Taught Me About Living a Godly Life. It's funny about the Wahlberg story, too, because he grew up Catholic. He yeah. had a view of Catholicism that um, when Mother Teresa showed up and talked to him about her version of Catholicism, he literally walked out of his cell and found the priest in the church. It was like, that's the Catholicism I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And there was there was that love and, the, and that beauty in there. And the other tie, because my mother's 94 and she's lived through the Depression and things like that, I think what we miss today is we've, we've got too soft of a world. We've got too soft of a, of a way of life. And we really don't know how to suffer because in our world, suffering is my food wasn't warm enough or, you know, my 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 friend is cutting his pasta versus, you know, eating it the way he should. And I think well, maybe the, that's 
pretty serious. Though, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's almost a criminal offense. That was I get on that. the part of the tablet that was left behind when when <laughs> Moses dropped it. it was, there were eleven. John, we're not talking about spaghettios. We we, under, we appreciate you grip on spaghettios, but this is a little more serious than that. But did you hear with that with that in mind? Did you hear the story that came out recently about? And thanks be to God, this one judge had common sense. This woman was suing Kraft because she complained that they had false advertising and how long it took to make the microwave mac and cheese or something along the lines. Are you kidding me? I mean, really, that's suffering because it took you longer, a little bit longer? Make. I mean, I, I, this is where we are in our culture today in yeah. terms of, I mean, is that suffering, really? You okay. have to go and file a $5 million lawsuit for it. I mean, you're going to spend that, that time and effort when, okay, just get a life and, first of all, learn how to make mac and cheese on your own. And even if you can't, it takes you a little longer. <laughs> Offer it up, right? <laughs> well, or as your mother Rosie would say, so you want a pool? Go fill up a garbage can, right? Garbage can, that one, and that is so true. I mean, it's just when I think about it, these funny things she would say. I, it, it's interesting how God has you. Again, this whole thing about reflection is so important because I remember when she said that to us, I was so half annoyed, and I thought, "Oh, Eureka, that's a really good idea." <laughs> but I can only imagine what that must have been like for my mother, who grew up in Jersey City with nine brothers and sisters, oh, and geez. they they didn't starve; they had food and they had clothes, but they were very poor. Yeah. And so having a pool or having a bike, as I talk about in Go Ride Your Bike, another chapter, I had I had a bike. I had a new, new bike every few years. Not that we were middle class. We weren't rich, but we didn't want for anything. And we had neighbors who had pools. We didn't have one, but we also had a beautiful city pool that was right on the water in suburban Detroit that basically was like, I don't know, a quarter or whatever, and we could ride our bikes there. Uh, but I wanted one in my backyard like my neighbors. And so I can only imagine what that meant to my mother to hear me complain. And she finally got so frustrated. She said, you want a pool? Go fill up a garbage can. <laughs> you, know, you make do, in other words, with what you have. You're not going to die because you don't have a pool. You're not going to die because the microwave isn't working quickly enough or the macaroni and cheese doesn't get done quickly enough. Put things in perspective and realize the blessings that we have. Exactly. Well, and if you have a mom who says things like that, and if we can be parents who say things like that to our kids, we are not going to go sue Kraft because we know better, right? right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yep. I think Absolutely. it's funny, too, because my mother's age and telling me the stories about what she grew up without, right? I right. mean, it was like we, we couldn't even put this on our sandwich or whatever. Um, it was interesting because she always had a rule, too. It was, you know, you only get to pout. When you're upset about something for like, you know, 10 minutes, if it's really serious, I'll give you half a day. <laughs> but after that, you're done. There's no more pouting. And basically, I'm going to kick you in the tail. Mm -hmm. To your point, though, it's about look at all the things you do have. Look at look at you got food on the table and all these things. And it was really practical. It sounds like your mother was very practical, too, in her approach with a sense of humor. And a very funny sense of humor, and just, and also just her personality and the accent. I think it got stronger as she got older, but it just again <laughs> made me think. And I, I wrote the book because I had these ten things in my head drilled into my head. You were saying, Mari, at the beginning of the show, that you could still hear your mother's voice in your head every yeah. single day. I hear my mother's voice, yeah. but those particular sayings I grew up with, and my sisters and I, we heard it all the time. And so I developed a talk, and I believe I gave that at the conference mm -hmm. last year. I developed a talk around those sayings, and every time I would give the talk, they would resonate with people. Yeah. Because everyone would come up and say, well, my mom said this very similar, or my mom said this just like your mom, or my mom was Irish, or my mom was Hispanic, and she was feisty too. And as I said <laughs> earlier, regardless of what kind of a cultural background, we can all relate to it because it's, it's like a universal thing, moms, right? 
And my friend Kelly was the one who said, you have got to put this in a book and you've got to call it Everything's Coming Up Rosie. So mm-hmm. that's how the name came about. And I decided to put it in a book. And I had much of it written, but when I was going through each item, a lot of memories came back to me and it allowed me to see my life through my mother's eyes mm-hmm. and what it must have been oh, like wow. for her. And it really made me feel very warm and fuzzy when my aunts, her two of her, let me see, one, two, three, four of her sisters are still alive. And they said that I really did capture their childhood very well. And then my oldest cousin, who's now in her 70s, Carol, 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 my cousin <laughs> Carol from Jersey. Teresa, you did a beautiful job, hum with the book. It is Rosie, Aunt Rosie, all over, and my mother, Jenny, the two of them all over this book. You did a great job. <laughs> that meant a lot to me, to be able to really bring them to life, because I think it brings to life other people's moms, other people's mm-hmm. cousins and aunts. So I think it's, I'm really happy with the book. I think it's resonating really well. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that you do have the the, um, the book study the, that's going along with it because that journal that you mentioned, that's what I was thinking when you mentioned it, you guys, you and Kelly are going to have this journal that people can get. They get the book, a prayer card, or, and the, the study journal is it'll make us stop and reflect because in this busy world, we're, we're going a million miles an hour and we don't stop. You know, one of the things I've heard Dr. Edward Sree talk about a lot is he talked about how Mary pondered. Yeah. And, and Mary pondering was, she would stop and think about, okay, what is God trying to say? What is God trying to do in the situation? And I don't think we stop and ponder enough. And so I think that's another gift you'll give us in addition to the stories about Rosie and, and the, the practical wisdom is the chance for us to each ponder and ponder about our own lives, our own moms, what we learn, what their perspective, as you just said, Teresa, what their perspective of, of life would be in our lives now. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be beautiful. That'll be really beautiful. So listeners, if you miss that part, if you go to catholicvineyard.com, catholicvineyard.com, or you can go to Teresa's website, teresatamio.com, you can get information about the, the Women in the New Evangelization um, book study that starts on September 5th. So it's coming up soon. And like Teresa said, there are going to be some live elements of it, and there will also be some recorded elements of it as well. Um, Teresa, we know you also love Italy. Obviously, you love your Italian mother. You love Italy. And you and Deacon Dom have some really cool things that you do with uh, traveling to Italy. You've got a whole other... I don't know how you have all the energy to do all of this, but you have another whole side of you. You've got Tease Italy, um, T apostrophe S, Tease Italy. Can you tell us more about that and what you guys have coming up? Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I just love it. It's a passion of mine, obviously, as you mentioned, Mari. So uh, several years ago, I had more and more people, because I've, go, I've been going to Italy so many times for work, for to cover EWTN events and to lead pilgrimages the past 20 years. It ended up to the point now where I've been there probably close to 70 times and wow. all over Italy, wow. all over Rome, all over the place. It's crazy because you know, sometimes it'd be shorter trips for business, but other times it would be long. I'd tap on another trip at the end of a business trip. So I just kept building and building, and I kept building up my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And people would write me, and they would ask me for information. And several of my prominent friends, such as Dr. Ralph Martin and Meg Meeker, they were going either on a long vacation. Meg was going with her daughter, and Dr. Ralph was going to finish up his Ph.D. Mm-hmm. in Rome, his doctorate. And he had some time, and he said, T, can you put together an itinerary. So I wrote a long itinerary for both of them uh, and where they should go, and they said, you need to do more with this. And then my friend John Hale at Corporate Travel, with whom we work and have a partnership at Ave Maria, said, T, you can't give this away. This is valuable information. You know more about Italy than most travel agents. <laughs> he said, you should do become a, a, I'm not a guide, but I am a consultant or a travel coach. So if you go to travelitalyexpert.com, and I just coached a man last night, he and his wife are going to, to Italy this fall. 
you can sign up for a half hour or an hour consultation and there's a questionnaire you fill out and if whether you want to do a private tour you're doing like a group tour and you're going to do an extension afterwards I can basically direct you and kind of give you guidance and background about the places, where to stay, where to eat, where to play, where to pray. I mean, I have, I, I give each person that signs up for the paid consultation gets a, a personalized consultation document. Mm. Depending on how uh, long you're staying, it could be, I just finished one today that's almost 50 pages because oh, this wow. person is wow. going all over Italy. So it has all my insider tips, suggested oh, tours, wow. restaurants, uh, the best stores for different items, when to see the Pope, how to do the Scavi tour in Rome. And it's, it's, it's such a fun part of my ministry because literally I'll get on the phone with people and I'm not looking at any notes. I'm just drawing from my, from my knowledge unless yeah. somebody asks me a specific question about connecting how far is it to Rome, you know, to, from Rome to the Amalfi Coast, something like that, if they want an exact mileage. But because I've been there so many times, I can literally just describe it. And it's a passion of mine, and I love to take people there, and I love to show them Tease Italy, our Italy, and the pilgrimages that Deacon Dom and I started to design are much different than most pilgrimages out there that do, you know, the Rome, Florence, Venice, Assisi, which is great, mm-hmm. but then they don't get into the little side towns, the yeah. Greccios, where, where St. Francis established the first crash, or Viterbo, the city of the popes where the first conclave was held, mm-hmm. or Ordovieto for the Eucharistic miracle of Corpus Christi, yeah. or to Todi, which is a beautiful, I mean, paradise-like town in the middle of Umbria, or Deruda, where they make all the ceramics, right, in, yeah. in Umbria. All these places about which people are unfamiliar because they're so used to Madison Avenue telling them, go to Tuscany, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Tuscany is great. You know, go to the Amalfi Coast, which is beautiful, but it unfortunately has gotten very commercial. And they miss the art of doing nothing, la dolce far niente. They don't reflect because they're going from place to place. So our love is to show them just how beautiful downtime in Italy can be. And so we actually have uh, two trips. The trip with the women is sold out, but Dominic and I still have about five or six spaces on our second annual La Dolce Fide, which means the sweetness of faith. And we are going to Orvieto, mm-hmm. Assisi, Todi, Narni as in Narnia. We're going to Rome, of course. We're going to Tarquina to learn more about the Etruscans, which is fabulous. Mm. And then we're also going, as I mentioned, to Greccio. But it's going to be a very, very fun trip off the beaten path. Agritourismos for dinner, wineries out in the middle of the country, and then, of course, to Rome to wrap everything up. And all the information is on my website at either travelitalyexpert.com or TeresaTamio.com under the events section. Scroll down. You can download the brochure. So if you're interested, sign up now. It's a great trip. We'd love to join, have you join us. We only have about five or six spots left. That's in November, and that's a great time to go. Very few crowds, and the weather is still very comfortable. Well, I guess that wraps it up for today. I mean, yeah, that was a wonderful that was interview. So a lot fun. of energy. you got to get a little more energy, though. You've got to get kind of a little more passionate about this. Yeah, I've been told that. My Archbishop, Alan Vigneron, whom I love dearly, said, Teresa, I'm praying, dear, that you'll come out of your shell. <laughs> well, do us a favor and come out of your prayer shell. Would you close us in sure, prayer, please? Sure, Absolutely. And thanks, you guys, for having me on. So here we go. Let's wrap this up. And I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this amazing crew from Quest Radio and all the listeners out there. And I ask you to protect all Catholic radio affiliates around the country, and especially EWTN and Ave Maria Radio, who co-produce my show. And may the Lord put it on the hearts of all those listening to please support Catholic Radio because of all the good it does in giving us the fullness of the faith and, of course, the fullness of truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Father, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Teresa, thank you. It's been wonderful. Listeners, we loved having you here in the family room as well. Please join us again next week here in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.